Wells, pastor of Judson Baptist Church, and you're listening to Mimi Reads the Bible. Merry Christmas, everyone, from all of us, all two of us here <laughs> at Mimi Reads the Bible. Today, fittingly, Mimi, what are you reading for us? I am reading Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20 for our special Christmas edition. Did you hear that beep? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I'm going to have to... That's my... Means that we've got 20 minutes. This whole place is going to blow. <laughs> now, you are a grown woman and have grandchildren. I do. And how long do you think before you have great-grandchildren? Um, from what I'm told, within the coming year. Right. You're going to have... You, you're soon going to be great-grandma, Mimi. Okay. <laughs> when you... I always wonder, with grandmas... What is the feeling of uh, obligation? Because I think just putting myself in the role of grandparents, you know, usually it's, I feel like it's usually women who do the, the gift buying for the, the little ones. Like my grandmother, I'm 40 years old. My grandmother still gives me a check, not on my birthday anymore, which I appreciate that she stopped doing this. But on Christmas, she gives me either a gift or a check. And at some point I'm thinking like, she, you got to stop. You know, she's great grandma. She's probably within, if she if she's still around, and I hope and, and assume she will be in about, within about five to seven years, could be great great grandma. And what do you think is the, the statute of limitations on this stuff? I kind of feel, except for the initial birth of a great grand, that's when the grandparents need to step in and you can step back. Okay, so I was thinking backwards from you. Like, you start peeling away the older generations because they don't need gifts. Well, I, you know, I knocked off my kids long ago. Uh, and don't, it was uh, just great. <laughs> don't say that out Yeah, loud. you don't want to, you know, make this kind of... It, confession's good for the soul. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I've met your kids, and, and as far as I know, alive. they're still alive and well. Um, so you think that, that uh, you, you go to the... Baby and, shower, and then you're kind of off the hook. Well, you know, that's easy to say before it happens. Before you hold that sweet little baby but in But I'm arms. all about that baby smell. So I get one <laughs> whiff of that baby smell and all my... Then the grandchildren will be gone and it will just be the grandchild. The great-grandchild that will matter. Right, right. So, yeah, some of the grandchildren should start to worry. How old are you... <laughs> How old are your oldest grandchildren? Well, my oldest is um, 20. Yeah, see, it's about at the age when I started to think like, all right, Christmas is going to come around and I'm not going to have any mm -hmm. gift from grandma. Granted, we were buying gifts for mm -hmm. grandma, my wife and I, but yeah, that's a that's about the age I feel like you can say, okay, there's little ones, mm -hmm. right, who Christmas is still magic for them. And yeah. All right. Well, that was I. I don't. That was not a planned conversation. And but. sometimes the grandchildren will, during the year, find something that, oh, they would really like that you could help them with. And so, I don't feel as much pressure as they get older. The grandchildren to do a lot for them. Mm hmm. Okay. Because I think I help at other times. Are you Are you grandma to all of them, or are you like Nana or? You know, one of these weird words that... I am actually Grand Mimi. Grand... Oh, 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 my gosh! That's the best thing I've ever heard! 
Bird. And it's not Grand with a D. It's G-R-A-N and then M-I-M-I. And I, when my first grandchild, 20 years ago, um, I wasn't sure I was ready for grandmotherhood, but I thought I could be a grand Mimi. <laughs> and I have, a <laughs> I have managed to do that. And sometimes as they get older, they'll um, shorten it to Grammy, but it's still with the me in it. I'm going to have to work to not call you Grand Mimi now. I'm just saying. And I will... I won't take it as an insult if you do. I like that title. There's a, there's a woman at the church who uh, you know, who when I w- she was on the search committee that that brought me in. Wonderful, good friend of mine, great great Christian woman. Uh, and one day, I said in passing, I, I thought she was younger than she was. I said, "Oh my goodness, you're old enough to be my mother." To which she didn't really respond, and I said, "Just joking. Maybe I should call you mom." And if if looks could kill, she it, it, there was fire like like the fire behind the eyes that you kind of associate with the Book of Revelation, and uh, and so I I've never brought that up in any form again. Never. <laughs> but I'm glad that you're more laid back. You, yes. You, all right. Well, let's let's hear this awesome Christmas passage from Luke chapter two. Okay. Now it came about in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all were proceeding to register for the census, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. And it came about that while they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be to all people. For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. And it came about when the angel had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then, and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came in haste and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary 
treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. That was a great reading of Luke 2, Mimi. Well done. It gives you chills. Indeed. Now, there there are a couple things in there that jump out at me. Uh, Here's the thing with the Christmas story when you're a preacher. You got to preach on it every year. And you have to find some new twist on it every year. Mm -hmm. And this is a standard text to use, although I have used weird texts. Um, You've only been going to our church for, what, two or three years, a couple years. Um, I used to preach really weird ones. I had a Christmas sermon called uh, Jesus and the Syrophoenician War. Uh, Christmas Hype and Sea Monsters. I've slowly tried to get less avant-garde over the ages. But one that I preached on was about the the flock that would be in that area. And notice the song that uh, somebody wanted to sing at our Vesper service last night, but we didn't because no one really knew it all that well. It says, well, shepherds watched their Flock. flocks. Right? Isn't it plural? Flocks. Flocks. Like they, like you got multiple shepherds, they got multiple flocks. When the text says flock, because this would have been shepherds watching the flock that was uh, animals that would be sacrificed in the temple. So it's a particular kind of shepherds. So we talked last night about how the Magi weren't kings. They were king makers. And they were there kind of giving their stamp of approval on this king. Well, the shepherds were there as those who knew exactly what it took to be a spotless sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And they're there uh, as well to bear witness. It's just talk about being able to dig deep and never hit the bottom, you know, in, in this kind of stuff. What jumps out at you when you read this? Probably less ethereal, weird stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I loved that the shepherds said, let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. To know that it, a personal message had come to them from the Lord I think it's so very cool. And yet we hold that message from the Lord in our hands every time we read his word. But they knew personally, and they went and they told people, and the people, you know, kind of wondered about the shepherds. But it was, they, and they had that confidence that God had sent them that message. Yeah, yeah. Do you think that uh, it ruins the the whole story if someone points out that the angels are never said to sing, but rather to say? Well, <laughs> not that much. <laughs> my my message during the cantata uh, this Sunday is uh, the first cantata. When I talk about these. I'm I'm probably not going to mention that there's no men- no singing, um, but. What what an amazing I you know thing to picture the sky lighting up first you got one guy then suddenly boom the sky is on fire with these angels you can see why they wouldn't say hmm there may be something to this let's go look into it no the Lord told us let's go see the thing which the Lord has said that was my son Calvin's line by the way in the Christmas pageant at his his school he was a Christian school and uh, he was a shepherd mm-hmm. the kindergartners were the sheep it was beyond adorable. And uh, he had to do a little kind of shepherding of him. And, and his line was, uh, let, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's find Jesus. And uh, 
I was all ready to like videotape it and stuff. And then him and like the other four shepherds all said it in unison. <laughs> and my son had a, uh, one of those like shepherd, you know, deals <laughs> over his head and it was blocking his face. It was just, <laughs> it was not the picture moment right. that you dreamed exactly. of. <laughs> my son. Now in all of this, you don't get, you don't get to pick Mary cause that's too obvious. Who else in this whole cast of characters, right? We've got mm-hmm. we've got the shepherds, we've got the the magi which, you know, we talked about last night. We're going to we're going to allow for them to be very shortly after this to be there, not 2 years. Maybe we'll talk about that mm-hmm. in a, in a uh, later episode. Uh you've got Joseph, you've got you got who who do you relate most to in the the Christmas and nativity of Christ story? Well, I think that I think that the I relate to the shepherds. The fact that why, you know, why were they chosen to know mm-hmm. the news? And sometimes when you when I have felt down about my life, the turns it's taken, I felt but God has he chose me to save me and um and that i know this truth and i have i have certainty of my salvation and of my future and there are people in this world that they don't have that hope and i don't know how they get through the day and so just like the shepherds were just given this, their lives could never have just gone back to the same humdrum, you know? And uh, so I think that I would have to go with the shepherds, although people who know me probably would have said an angel. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) People who know me would say a wise man. But what's interesting is the the thing that you said about the shepherds could also be applied to Mary, who yes. who like what what the world about me you know that mm-hmm. I, I am she could not have been more insignificant from the world's point of view that the town she's in is just it's it's forgotten but anyone who remembers it just remembers that it's a uh, the armpit of Galilee you know. Mm-hmm. And she's no one special, and there's nothing special about. I mean, there there is we find out a genealogy, but mm-hmm. that's not forefront in her mind. And same thing with these shepherds. They're like, who who are we? I mean, it's an interesting to follow the the view of shepherds throughout the the Bible because Israel is a nation of shepherds, right? Mm-hmm. Bedouin shepherds. Their greatest king David was a shepherd. Their great uh, deliverer Moses. Shepherd, forty years in in Midian. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's they're held up there as these great figures. But by the time of Christ, shepherds are looked down at. They're they're not allowed in full participation in the temple. They're thought to be, you know, not trustworthy. You know, and, and it's weird. And so I love mm-hmm. that. I love that they're the ones. They're so fitting mm-hmm. on so many levels that they're the ones that that of all the people in the area of Bethlehem. They're the ones who get this engraved invitation mm-hmm. to come and receive Jesus. And you think about the Magi who came with all their entourage, but the shepherds had come first, and it was announced personally to them. They saw the star. They followed 
the star from their studies, but the shepherds were given the message personally. And I also like about Mary that, you know, she was extraordinary in another. She treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. What woman wouldn't have been all about going, I don't understand why God picked me. And do you know who this baby is? And, you know, just going on and on. But that wasn't who she was. And she knew that God had given her a role. And and yet it never says at any point in Jesus's life that Mary was like an overbearing mother or, you know what I mean? What no, I'm getting at? Tease that a little more. Like, okay. what do you mean as an overbearing um, mother? Um, the fact that she would tell everybody, that is my son Jesus, and he is going to save the world. Mm-hmm. And um, he is, and God chose me, in, in you know, to carry him and to, he do you know you have met Jesus, haven't you? An extraordinary child, like none other, because mm-hmm. he's God in human form. And I, you know, what did she understand? And what, but she, she wasn't a gossip. She wasn't um, a glory hound. She was just humble. It's like when somebody wins the, you know, the, Lifetime Achievement Award, right? Mm-hmm. And they're told your life is essentially more valuable than anyone else's based on all this stuff. And they get up and they look at the crowd and they're in a tuxedo and they got out of a limo and they say, oh, this is so humbling. And you're like, you don't know what the word humbling means, dude. This is the opposite. This is this is going to build your... But somehow, for Mary, it is humbling. humbling. And that, I think, is what makes her just such a uh, mm-hmm. spectacular... Uh, I think she's a the the proto disciple for us. Mm-hmm. Um, you follow Jesus, and she's willing to set us. There's that moment when Jesus says, "Who are who is my mother? Who are my brothers?" And and you know when when she comes to him and says, "Hey, they're out of wine." He's like, "Hey, woman, what has it do to do with me?" Um, he's telling her our relationship has to change. You know, it's you're my mother, and I love you, and I'll care for you even after my death. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, but you must follow me now, and she doesn't push back on it yeah. at all. She turns to the, the guys at the party and says, whatever he says to do, do. And the implication to me is whatever he says to do, I'll do. Exactly. I, I'm, I'm just a disciple of Jesus. I had the honor of carrying him and raising him and nursing him, but I'll follow him. Mm-hmm. And she's there at the cross. Yes. And when he says, you know, mother, your son, he, he does, at, even at that point, show how much he loves her and respects her for the role she had in the in his life in the story isn't it odd that and this is way off topic for christmas i guess but that he didn't you know turn that responsibility over in the more traditional way to say jude or you know one, <laughs> one of his brothers um but rather to his his close disciple i mean he's really got two closest friends mm-hmm. amongst the 12 it seems John and Peter. Mm-hmm. I see why he picked John. <laughs> Peter's a good guy, but one guy's known for all the stuff he's written and said about love. One guy's known for chopping off ears. Uh, go with the love guy. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's the end. Well, don't you have anything to say to people about Christmas? Like, I do hope 
you have a wonderful Christmas and and just consider this my Christmas gift to you. Oh, oh, Besides it just being me. <laughs> it's like that Michael Bublé song. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. In the meantime, if you'd like to learn more about our church, you can find us online at www.churchlansing.com. Scripture this week taken from the Holy Bible, New International Version. Copyright 1973-1978-1984, International Bible Society. Used by permission of Zondervan Bible Publishers. And don't forget, God's Word is there to be read all the time. You don't have to wait for me anymore.